Welcome to the Wealth Enterprise Briefing. Hi, everyone. This is Michael Zerner, one of the managing partners at We Family Offices. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Enterprise Briefing. I'm joined today by Matt Farrell, the head of our investment team. And we're going to take a little bit of a step back today and uh, take a little bit of a look forward as well. Uh, we finished uh, the third quarter about three weeks ago. It's been a dynamic year in the capital markets and the investment markets. And we're starting to see uh, Wall Street, uh, numerous firms start to publish forward-looking assumptions uh, about what they expect in 24 and 25. And I thought we'd have a conversation with Matt about what we're starting to see in the way of uh, predictions and trends, uh, as well as how that plays into what we've actually experienced this year. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, Matt, let's take a look back uh, at the year so far uh, and just give us your quick thumbnail assessment of what we've seen in the capital markets. Yeah, I think over the past year, you know, there were some opportunities and some hidden risks, particularly in the bond market. If you were further out in duration, you suffered. But, you know, for those that are shorter duration, it's it's been a pretty good place to hide. You know, the equity market, there were some bright spots, but it tended to be crowded into the big tech names. And, you know, there were hidden opportunities, but all in all, it was, it was just, I'd say, a fairly average year. And where we stand today, Matt, is there's still uncertainty about the future path of interest rates, although the market seems to have accepted uh, the probability that rates will rise one more time uh, at a minimum and will stay higher for longer. Uh, that's been driving the capital markets and, and activity in the capital markets over the last year and will likely continue to do that. So given the fact that rates are expected to stay higher and longer, and that's the primary drive, what are, what are some of the things you're starting to read uh, about looking into 24, uh, what the implications might be and what people are expecting? Yeah, I think at a high level, there's still a lot of embedded risk. And if I had to pick one word, I would just say uncertainty. Um, yeah, this time of year, we start aggregating the capital market assumptions and, and future outlooks from all the big banks and you know, look at the data ourselves and, and try to formulate an opinion. But I'd say generally speaking, we're looking for at muted returns next year. And part of that is because on the equity side, you had a bit of a rally this year. Valuations are stretched in certain segments of the market. And so forward-looking returns in equity markets are, are kind of muted. Uh, another consistent uh, messaging that I'm seeing is that uh, most of the big houses are expecting elevated volatility. And a lot of that's just due to geopolitical or um, rate uncertainty. And then finally, a lot are expecting more of a stock bond correlation. And the implication there is just less of a diversification benefit from the bonds uh, where investors have typically hidden. But, you know, uncertainty, I think there's just a lot of unsettled issues out in the environment. You know, we talked about deglobalization in prior podcasts, you know, fiscal policy, you know, inflation, whether it's going to be sticky or, or, or come down over time. You know, commodity prices, uh, supply versus demand, and climate change, and associated with commodity prices. So there should be further, you know, tailwinds with commodity pricing. Then you have on the tech side, you have AI, or which you know, there's potential implications there that uh, could disrupt the labor market. So I just think there's a lot of short and longer term trends that add to the overall uncertainty. And so in an uncertain environment, how does being a little more diversified than sixty forty? position a portfolio for success in an uncertain environment? 
Yeah, I think you have to look at you know hidden corners of the market to to find uh, a bit of a, a balance and and return streams, um, uh, diversified return streams. You know, we're big believers in alternative investments, especially at big parts, certain parts of the market cycle. And I think as you're getting into late cycle and, and periods of uh, elevated volatility and uncertainty, they can really uh, add a benefit by just offering a diversification benefit and also manager selection alpha. You know, when we look at the alternative landscape, it's just a, a fragmented market. And so, meaning that there's a high dispersion of returns amongst the managers. And so if you're able to identify those top quartile managers, then you're really able to achieve uh, some uh, return premium through your manager selection alpha. I also think uh, actively, you know, active asset allocation during these times can also add um, a bit of a diversification benefit and also potentially a return enhancer. Um, so just focusing on areas with maybe some thematic tailwinds, um, and diversifying by, you know, whether it's factors or philosophy of investing and, and, you know, other considerations can just really add a diversification benefit. So, so Matt, what's interesting is that historically investors have thought about bonds as being the diversifier and a 64 portfolio, 60, 40 portfolio was a diversified portfolio. What I hear you saying is that first of all, there's expectations in a lot of the research that we're seeing that stocks and bonds might be more correlated than his historically, that stock and bond returns might be more uh, correlated uh, than would historically be the case. And so for an investor looking for diversification, that traditional 60-40 bond diversification may not work like it did in the past uh, or as effectively as it did in the past or may require additional uh, kinds of diversification just to be sure. Um, but I guess the flip side of that, that I'd like to reconcile is we also see an opportunity in bonds, uh, given uh, the historically high level of interest rates. And we see that opportunity being uh, that, that the price of bonds is particularly low. And as you talked about, right, we're not yet uh, calling for an extension of duration, uh, making a bet that interest rates are going to come down. But we do think there's a role for bonds, given uh, the historic high level of interest rates. So how do you how do you sort of reconcile those two perspectives? Well, I would change the wording from just bonds to credit, right? Both public and private credit. So meaning typically equities are your return enhancer. That's going to be your alpha driving returns in your portfolio, whereas bonds are more of your, you know, lower volatility, less correlated ballast. And the reality is that's kind of being flipped to where uh, the forward-looking assumptions, bonds should be more attractive than equities. And, you know, due to capital structure are technically lower risk and with lower volatility. Um, Same is true on on the private credit side. As you look at direct lending, when you're, you're senior in the capital stack, um, in theory, the, the lower risk part uh, of a capital structure, and you're able to return a pretty decent return stream without having to stretch for lower credit quality to, to get that enhanced return that we have in the past. So it, it offers a good uh, alternative to you know reaching for return, whether it's equity or just higher risk parts of the market. So what I hear you saying is that there is a role for bonds and credit in the portfolios today and going forward, 
but that may not be the traditional role of bonds in the portfolio as a diversifier. And that if one wants diversification, one needs to look out beyond traditional bonds for other kinds of diversifiers uh, in the private markets, in the alternative markets, uh, et cetera. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And it, to me, it's not one or the other. You know, you can have a liquid bucket with with bonds and then also a, a private sleeve for private credit and direct lending. You know, I also think in this environment, it's important to you know be diversified. And we've touched on this on, on prior episodes, obtaining true diversification. But when you're investing in you know, generally private credit, direct lending, and also bonds, you're exposed to corporate credit. So there are other avenues to explore, such as asset-backed lending, where maybe you're exposed to a specific asset that's you know segregated from a, a corporate credit um, entity. So being diversified by underlying exposure uh, is important to consider, as well as just vehicle type. So interesting, Matt. So clearly a role for traditional fixed income and credit, albeit different than in the past. What are other areas that you see that are important for investors to be paying attention to when we think about, you know, diversifying the portfolio uh, away from a traditional 60-40? Right. Well, I think... You know, private equity in general has had a lot of headlines over the, the recent year, and for good reasons, right? Because when you think about private equity relying upon leverage, you know, to achieve their acquisitions and um, and generate returns, those who are more reliant on leverage, given the higher interest rates, are going to be you know challenged for returns. And so, I, I think some of that scrutiny is is, is warranted. Um, and same with venture capital, we've seen you know just um, a huge correction and lack of activity in the IPO market. You know, activity is down more than ninety percent from its its peak levels, and some of the pricing metrics are down upwards of sixty some percent. Um, and so, I think some of the headline is warranted. But at the same time, you know, if you look at again these dark corners of the market, you can find opportunity. So, for example, in the buyout space, if you focus on the lower part of the market. Um, we're still seeing some mergers and acquisitions being completed, but it, it tends to be bigger companies buying smaller companies. Um, and so you, if you focus on the fragmented part of the market, um, there's a huge opportunity set there. I, I think I read that the you know, ratio of, of small cap private companies to public companies is, is a seven to one ratio. So there's just a huge um, fragmented part of the market that you can target. And venture capital, again, we, we've seen the huge correction, but um I think just those more attractive entry points should be considered, you know, whether it's in the secondary market, which we've talked about before, or just the primary. Um, but venture capital valuations are at a much more attractive um, levels. And so going forward, it, it could be an interesting return. Well, thank you, Matt. I think we'll leave it there. But uh, I look forward to exploring some of these uh, ways of getting diversification beyond traditional 6040. Uh, as we approach the end of 23 and get into 24 and hear uh, more about the opportunities that you may be looking at. 